Welcome to episode 204 of Chillin' with My Bro. I'm your host, Dakota Grace, here with my bro host, Luke Warner. Say Hello. Hi. hi. How you doing? All right. Wow. Thank you so much for joining us again. We're going to start up with the week in a nutshell. Why don't you tell us about your week? Whew. Well, this week, got a haircut, obviously. You know I had to. I had uh -huh. to for the sake of Easter coming up. Um, I had... Well, I had a lot of band practice every day, and our teacher decided that we just didn't care. So I'm really considering just quitting. Oh, well, tell us more about that. Well, you see, he always says that we're the laziest band he's ever had. Yet, I'm always showing up on time. So I'm really getting tired of not getting noticed for that. Right, right, right. You need the recognition. I kind of wish that the things that I did actually mattered, since they keep telling me what to do, and I do them. Ah, uh, I see. So you would like more recognition? You know what? Yes, I would. All right, what else happened this week? Not much, how about you? Um, I registered for a COVID vaccine. And how did that go? Well, I'm registered. Awesome. So I'll hear back from them in a couple weeks and we'll go from there. Warning, it's like administering morphine, I heard. You did? Yeah, it's gonna take a toll on you. Oh, okay. Well, I will be prepared for that. Best be. Okay, well, we're gonna move on from Week in a Nutshell and go into this day in history. So, today is April 3rd, and on April 3rd in 1948, President Harry Truman signed into law George C. Marshall's post-World War II plan to revive the economics of Western and Southern European countries so as to foster democracy in the region. Isn't that cool? That is quite interesting, yeah. and I'm really glad that things have changed. I know. I have no idea what that means, but I'm really glad that it happened, I'm sure. I'm sure that in the end, it was all worth it. And now on to a fun fact you may not have known. Did you know? You don't know this. Did you know that narwhals, their horns, much like um, the tree trunk, can tell a lot about their life, like how old they are and what kind of life they live. Isn't that cool? That is interesting. I thought that was cool. That is cool. Yeah. That is cool. I always liked narwhals. They always felt like such a creative creature. They felt like the mix between a unicorn and a walrus. Yeah. Well, we don't have any unicorns, so this is the closest we get. It is. And you know what? It's even better. And you know what? Speaking of even better... We need a word from our sponsors today. Wow. French Roast. That is correct. French Roast from Great Value. That I'm drinking it right now. I have it here in my little mug right here. And as you can tell, she's enjoying it and it's keeping her energized. Mm-hmm. What are you drinking, Warner? I am drinking um, a Snapple brand that involves the slogan, great taste. So... Does it taste great? Well, it's certainly somewhere. I'll give you that. Okay. Um, all right, yeah. Thank you so much to Great Value for sponsoring this episode. Yes. All right. Let's move on to the main event. Today, oh we are going to be talking... He's excited. Today, we are going to be talking about Whedon versus Snyderman. I think we can fairly say Dawn of Justice. Okay, well, we're going to be talking about Justice League 2017 versus Justice League 2021, the, the Zack Snyder cut, my bad. 
So uh, I know Warner has a lot of thoughts, so uh, let's get into it. What are the topics, Warner? All right, so they're very different movies. Um, there's a lot to unpack here. We should, um, we should probably start off with the length. First of all, it's more than twice as long as the Whedon cut. And only about 10% of the original footage was used. So now you know it's almost a completely different movie. Any thoughts? Uh, I completely agree with that. And I think that my least favorite parts of the Snyder Cut were all pretty much the only footage that was saved in the Joss Whedon version. I think so. he really knows what he likes. Yep, and it's... You know what? You know what? <laughs> Never mind. Jikes. <laughs> Alright, um, anything else you want to say about the length? Um, well, what's to say? Only about 10% of the footage was used for the less than two hour cut. And the full version, with the other 90%, is, well, it's four hours and two minutes. That's right. And I'm sure that there is probably at least an hour of footage in there that he definitely could have cut, in my opinion. There's about 24 minutes of slow motion. Yes. And that is a lot of slow motion. Sometimes it felt like too much slow motion, but... Yeah, someone like you. Okay. But, you know, it was, it was fine for what it was. I wasn't opposed to it, but I wasn't a fan of it. And you think, like, because Warner Brothers kind of ruined everything for Zack. And if they really did just bend over and say we were wrong, wouldn't you want a few self-serving slow-mo shots? I know I certainly would, just to be like, hey, we're going to make this even longer than I originally planned. Ha! How does that feel? Because <laughs> honestly, they're just the worst. What? Warner Brothers, they're just the worst. They're just the worst. Wow, okay. Warner Brothers is the worst. You heard it here first. Alright, what else? Um, well, it successfully follows up on Batman v Superman without feeling like a, a quick and cheap retcon. Mm, tell us more about that. Well, the mood is the same. It, it keeps a somber mood at the beginning, which is fitting considering that Superman just died. I mean, if Avengers Endgame started with all light and happiness and no one felt the gravity of the blip, well, that wouldn't make any sense, right? Superman's dead. Why is everyone enjoying themselves? So that was a lot better. And it definitely did a much better job setting up future movies in that it brought in the, um, it, it followed up on Batman's initial nightmare visions of mm -hmm. future dark timelines. That's right. And even set up the Aquaman movie, as well as the Flash movie, and a sequel to Justice League. Mm, but no Cyborg movie. He cut his ties with Warner Brothers, poor guy. Honestly, I can't blame him. I wouldn't want anything to do with that company. Yeah, we should talk about that because I think, in my opinion, Cyborg was definitely the most criminally gutted character in the Joss Whedon version. Absolutely. And I, I personally, I, you know this, but I didn't really like Cyborg in the Justice League version. That's what we call it. We call it Justice League. Yeah. Yeah. So I just felt like he was a very flat character and he didn't really add anything to the story per se. So I didn't really didn't. see his, yeah, and he was just kind of thrust in there. So I didn't really see his point of being in the movie, which makes me even more upset knowing that watching the Snyder Cut and realizing he was the center of the movie. He really was. And he it brought, kind of, yeah. you have to give credit to Joss Whedon because he somehow cut all of the important stuff about Cyborg out and still managed to cu 
cobble together a semblance of a story cutting out the heart of it i you gotta give that's a that's a magic trick right there. honestly i can't imagine like it's like a heart transplant without putting another heart in exactly that's exactly what i was thinking (laughs) that's crazy it's crazy and it happened it sure happened Mm -hmm. so yes cyborg was just he just got the most unfair treatment in Justice League. I call him Robot now because he just had no character at all. So what would you say was different? Like, go into description about the differences between the story. The story. Okay, well, in the Justice League, we're going to call it Justice League. Mm-hmm. In Justice League, Steppenwolf's drive is just that he lived only to conquer. Right. He had no reason to be doing any of the things that he was doing. And we didn't feel like there was any stakes because because no, none of the characters felt any stakes. The overall story is very similar because, well, there's, there's only so much that you can actually change. Right. I mean, they changed just about everything they possibly could. Mm-hmm. But yes, it is still a story about Steppenwolf gathering three mother boxes to terraform Earth. And Batman forming the Justice League to stop him. The biggest difference in the two movies is that, well, you have so much more character, and the movie's so much more character driven that it really makes you feel gravity of the situation. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel like it was rushed or that there was, you know, all character was sidelined for quips. Yeah, you know, it definitely felt like. The trademark Joss Whedon quips were going strong in Justice League. <laughs> there's some, well, there's a lot to unpack there too. Mm-hmm. Um, we should probably have already said this, but this is definitely a spoiler alert. Definitely spoiler alert, so, just to be clear. We're about to get into it, so if you haven't seen it, we probably have already spoiled so much and we're sorry for for that for all of our 100 million fans but we sorely apologize and honestly if you haven't seen the trailer that's probably the one way you haven't gotten spoilers already so sorry sorry. and we forgive you um okay this is just like episode 108 it is oh my goodness if you guys haven't seen episode 108 you you are missing out go watch it you're You're doing yourself a disservice all right Okay. On. Let's talk about a little bit. You kind of segued into this, but let's talk about dialogue a little more than just the weed and quips. Yeah, just a little more than quips. We got a whole lot more dialogue. You'll know if I mean if you are one person to like these movies, and we're going to assume you are if you're listening to this still. In Zack Snyder's dialogue, no line is ever without purpose. So we'll find that in Justice League, Flash has an entire tangent while speaking to Batman about brunch. He asks, what is brunch? You wait in line for an hour for essentially lunch. Can I tell you a little bit about that? I have some thoughts on that exact exchange that he added because it felt to me very, um, first of all, very on the nose that he was just kind of like, I don't understand people. It felt very on the nose to me. It felt very on the spectrum if that makes sense. Like, Abed, kind of? It did. It felt very like he was trying to change Flash's character. Now, I'm all for adding in autistic superheroes. I think that would be great if we Mm -hmm. added some some autistic superheroes and superheroes with disabilities. Because, I mean, 
what better story is there than a superhero with a disability? Yeah, not just someone who's slightly less attractive. Like, you know, we have, what's his name? Um, from Shazam. I know a lot of people oh, don't yes. like that movie, but... Oh, it was so good. What's his name? I, oh, shit. I, I, can't, <laughs> I can't remember. I haven't watched it in so long. I haven't either. We should watch it. Yeah, we should. I like it. It's it's yes. fun. It's oh. that that kind of humor. I feel like worked for Shazam specifically. Not Aquaman. No, 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 no. <laughs> Especially not the Aquaman that we got in either Justice League installments. No. So yeah, um, yes. About the uh, the way Flash was talking, it felt it felt like it was a little too much. Yeah. And in. Justice League, his social awkwardness felt like him really actually trying to pull it together in front of people, not like he was just reading dialogue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, the difference between those shots and that scene where he first meets Bruce Wayne, yes. when he changes from talking about brunch, oh my goodness. it looks like it looks so different. It looks like he's standing in front of a green screen, because he probably was. The background... Completely changes. Yeah, His haircut bad. changes. Everything changes. But I mean, oh. you know, the the Snyder cut wasn't perfect about that either. I mean, the end credit scene uh, with Joker and Batman. Clearly, they weren't in the they same vicinity. There, there was never a shot where they were together, except for that one shot where he was kind of in the foreground, but he was yeah. blurry. So it was obviously not him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but like, what can you do with COVID and? Yeah, it was, it was it was it was a challenge, but they managed to pull it together for the most part. You know, yeah. close-up shots really kind of helped with the mood. Mm -hmm. Now let's talk about something that I was intrigued about, which is Mira's accent. Oh boy! Let so me tell you, this girl is from right here in Texas, <laughs> and she's yep. doing this British accent, and she's really trying. She's really trying. And you know what? It's not too great. <laughs> it's not. It's not very good. I can understand why it was originally supposed to. You know, she was originally supposed to talk that way. Then Aquaman rolled around, and they changed that. They mm -hmm. also changed her hair color and the way everything looked about the Atlanteans. Right. Okay. The one thing that really bothered me about Aquaman is that what I really liked that even Joss Whedon kept in Justice League was the fact that they never talked underwater. They like used air bubbles. Yeah, they used to be air bubbles because it's physically impossible to talk underwater. I'm sorry, Little Mermaid, but I'm sorry, and I know it's comic accurate to have them talk underwater. And I mean, I get that Aquaman was doing that for a reason, but in the universe that Zack Snyder set up, a lot of things, well, they make a lot more logical sense in the in terms of like powers and stuff. Like, if Superman was able to take off and fly, he might be able to, you know, bend gravity or something for some extent. And if Flash were really moving that fast, he would conduct a significant amount of static electricity. Right, right, right. Yeah, one of the things that I'd heard someone say about the DCU versus the MCU <sighs> is that um, the DCU takes their stuff very seriously and Marvel is just there for the fun. And you know what, like, I'm f I don't know if he was a fan of that, but I'm fine with that because I feel like you need to differentiate. And you do. really, when it comes to the comics, there's really no big differentiation between Marvel For real. and DC. They're both just comic books. They are. Know? They really do feel like comic books. And as time goes on, they pick, like, most comic books do keep a similar 
like overall feeling while you're reading them. And I think the Marvel stuff is very comic booky. It's very, you know, quips and uh, colors and fun. And it's fun. It's, it's, it's like okay. a good time. Like it's if what I, they do. If I wanted to have a good time, I would watch like a Marvel movie. Yeah, absolutely. But when the DCU tried to mutate into that, it just After felt... After what they set up. Yeah, it just felt weird because... I don't know. It just felt weird. It didn't. It didn't work with what Zack Snyder set up. And if you wanted DC, if you wanted DC to do the kind of cinematic Marvel, the kind of cinematic universe that Marvel already has done, then look no further than the two cartoon universes that they have already completed. And one of them is still going. You have the original '90s cartoons, mm -hmm. which are, well, they're basically perfect in every way. <laughs> We've. They're. They're still making. Um, the, the last Justice League versus the Fatal Five, that's still in that universe, so it's still connected. Oh. Then we have the um, the animated movie universe, which, again, stays fairly faithful and safe with the characters. So if you wanted something that was that, you already have that. So please, be grateful. <laughs> Let, let's do something a little different, right? Right, yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I like that it was different. And I think that they just need to stay true to that. You know what I mean? They do. They do. Once you've set up something, you have to stay true to it. And that's why Marvel Marvel had this um, interesting tone going where they had quips throughout all of their movies, but many of their films, many of their highest quality films still kept grounded and like a, a serious enough tone for us to feel invested. Thor Ragnarok is probably the pinnacle of not that. <laughs> So we probably don't want, I don't want to get into that. This is not the topic That's today. a different podcast. Oh, it would take a long time. <laughs> okay. It would take a long time. All right. I see you have written down here, actual story mode. I don't know what that means. Can you explain a little bit about what that term means before you go into it? Well, I was just referring to the fact that the movie actually had a complete story that felt complete. Okay. It felt like there weren't any loose ends in the end. And the loose ends that they had purposefully left loose were going to be set up. In other movies, right, right, right. Especially the the whole Flash dream thing. The whole Flash time travel nightmare sequence. It was you know not even touched on in Justice League. Not even seen ever. Nope, nope, it wasn't. So it make, really makes you wonder ugh, what they were thinking. What they were thinking. Or if they were thinking. <laughs> yeah, they might not have thought this through. <laughs> we might not have thought this through. <laughs> Okay. okay, well, do you want to go into a little bit more detail about the story? Okay, yes. Um, they, the main points that were barely, barely touched in Justice League that were really important for Zack Snyder's Justice League is Steppenwolf's character drive and the story behind, you know, all of Darkseid and Apocalypse and all that. Mm -hmm. So basically, Steppenwolf says at one point during Justice League that my exile will come to an end. And we don't even know what that means. We have no idea what he's talking about. And it's clear that they had no intention of following up on it in future movies because he just left. Yeah, he did. Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit because that was... He had a very um, Super Friends exit. He did. He did. I can literally <laughs> imagine that in a Super Friends cartoon, like with the um, 
with the cheesy music playing in the background and be like, no, get away from me. And then the boom tube would open and he'd get sucked up and they'd be like, he got away. We'll get him next time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's exactly what it felt. And you know what? Maybe that's what they were going for. Maybe it was. Maybe it was. But if you think about that, the Super Friends is very much like what we got with Justice League a little bit, if you think about it. Except their jokes are better. <laughs> their, jokes, their jokes are still better because they're less expectation for a kid's show. Yeah. You know, there's way less <laughs> expectation for a kid's show. While we're on the subject, let's talk about um, the elephant in the room of Darkseid and Martian Manhunter. Oh, yes! Yes! Absolutely. Um, Darkseid, which was one of the most important story beats in the movie, never seen, his name is said one time in Justice League, and never mentioned or seen again, ever. So, you, you're thinking like, oh, they're trying to do what the MCU did, trying to set up the Darkseid as the Thanos-type character, right. and to that I say, yes, that's exactly what they were trying to do. They weren't planning on, you know showing him because that's not what the Avengers did. I'll tell you though, Darkseid does feel more like comic book Thanos to me. Because Thanos in um, the comic books wasn't like this balanced guy, right? He, he was, was not. He just liked death. He liked destruction. He was a psychotic, murderous maniac and yeah. he just happened to be really muscular. And that's one thought that I have on these comic book movies is that people tend to romanticize them because they put a lot of importance on them when at the end of the day, they're kind of just illustrated soap operas for men and most of the villains like they don't have these complex motivations yeah very often their villains were bad they were more like plot devices to drive the main character story and that's not always bad especially when you have a really good character driven story but it can be bad when you're setting up the greatest villain ever they're now they're not 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 all comics are simply soap operas from then. Some of the most legendary comics, like, say, The Death of Superman, were huge epics that took place over a huge period of time and led up to something great. And right. those- My point was just that a lot of people, because we've now introduced this cinematic aspect to yes. um, comics. People are expecting more out of them than what they are, which is the bad guy's motivations are seldom intricate. And so when there is a bad guy like Darkseid who just you know wants to destroy things, people are like, well, I don't really see his motivation. When you don't need to, as you, much like it's great when you get a villain that mm -hmm. you can see their motivation it's great psychologically because you then root you can for them. yeah you can understand like loki like loki you, or general zod general zod yeah exactly so it's great and when you give people that kind of villain they expect that kind of villain for every single villain forever forever yeah. and dark side is not Darkseid's main motivation is less of destruction and more of control he wants to control everyone throughout all the universe. So having a character say all of existence shall be mine can be a generic line for a villain to say, especially, you know, for Darkseid. Yeah. But it doesn't necessarily hurt the story because he's not the main villain in this movie. Steppenwolf is, and he already has a good character drive. Yeah, yeah, Dark exactly. He has the, the Zuko he character has, arc. He has a Zuko character arc. And you might remember that in Guardians of the Galaxy, when Thanos showed up, he did not have 
strong character motivation like he did in Infinity War. That's right, yeah. So we can possibly expect more from Darkseid in the future if Warner Brothers would follow up. But yes, absolutely. I feel, I do agree with you that once you have introduced a really good and sympathetic villain, people expect it forever. Yeah, yeah. The, once people get a taste of something they like, they just demand it the entire... Just want more. Yeah. yeah. Just want more. Speaking of more, let's transition into the next topic, which is saturation. So if you even just seen the trailer... <laughs> just the trailer. For, just the trailer. <laughs> for Justice League, oh. you would notice um, a big difference in color scheme. Ooh. You want to go a little bit into that? I, I sure would. Um... Yes, if, if you've seen Man of Steel or Batman v Superman, you know that Zack Snyder's color scheme usually tries to fit the tone of every scene. And even when it is brightly lit, the colors still are not saturated 100%. There is a bit of fading to give it um, a sort of... Yeah, to, to help you feel the mood of the situation. So when you, in, when you enter into Justice League, Joss Whedon's main directing decision was to saturate it up to 205%. All right, that was the record scratch, which means it's time to wrap things up. So oh, snap. let's, uh, yeah, we're at 25 minutes. Woo! So let's uh, start to wrap things up and talk a little bit more about Flash traveling through time. This is a big plot device that got huge. completely cut out of the movie. It was huge. Flash was completely useless in Justice League. He was just there because he had superpowers and Bruce Wayne was looking for people with superpowers in Zack Snyder's Justice League, Flash actually saves the world. So him being, you know, completely thrown out, completely like with what he does, just, that just feels rude for all of them. In the Flash time traveling was a good way of closing, you know, his character development in that movie. He has never felt like he's been able to do anything and he keeps working and working it feels fitting that he should be the one to actually save the day, especially considering that he's just the young kid. Yeah, speaking of save the day, the person who really saved the day was Cyborg's dad. Cyborg's father, who made a, an emotional sacrifice to fully knowing that he wasn't going to survive in order to help the heroes save the day. And poor Victor had to watch him die in front of him. And it, was, it was really sad. <laughs> it was really moving, sad. It was a moving scene and they just... It, it didn't happen. And he just took the mother box off screen in Justice League because that's more time to cut. Am I right? Yeah, it was... Oof. Yeah. Most of... I just... And obviously, the fact that most of Cyborg's part got cut was a reflection of the relationship between Joss Whedon <laughs> And what's his name? Um, Ray Fisher. Ray Fisher. That's I haven't right. seen a relationship like that since William Shatner and George Takei on the set of Star Trek V. He were you really... alive during? No, but I know I know the stuff about the movie. <laughs> okay. He really didn't like George Takei, and he was in fact in charge of directing the movie. William Shatner was, so he gave him the smallest part. That's just petty. It is. It is just petty, isn't it? Yeah, a lot of people can be. Can be pretty petty. <laughs> Oof. Well, speaking of cutting time, 
we're just about out of it. That's right. So this is the part where Warner wraps it up by saying the thing he always says, which is... <laughs> zippity doo All right. Thank you so much for listening. This has been episode 204 of Chillin' with my bro. Ooh. I'm Dakota Grace with my bro host... Luke! All right. <laughs> um, That's my name. We're signing off. So off. see you next week. We're going to be talking about what? What are we going to be talking about next week? Next week, we're going to be talking about our favorite animals and probably our favorite sodas. All right. So be on the edge of your seat for that one. You better be. All right. See you later. See you.